0: is going on happy tuesday everybody october 13th this is sports talk with jordan glasgow thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode got a lot to talk about on today's show A uh, lots happening in the sports world Uh, Some head coaches already on the move. We saw Bill O'Brien, what, about a week, week and a half ago for the Texans. There's another NFL team that has pulled the trigger and fired a uh, head coach. We'll talk about that. We've also got some college football talk, some NFL talk, some Major League Baseball talk, and some NBA. And that's what we'll start the show with the NBA, saying congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers, your 2020 NBA champions. They uh, got it done on Sunday night. Obviously, couldn't really talk about it on Monday because... Little spoiler alert, little behind the scenes, how we do this in order so we can get the episode on the site early in the morning like we do and not have to get up at like, you know, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning to record it, edit it, put it all together and all that stuff and have it ready to go live at seven. Actually record it the night before. So the reason we didn't mention this on Monday's episode is because we actually recorded it Sunday while the game was happening. I didn't really want to, you know, shoot the gun and say congratulations to the Lakers, have the heat come back, force a game seven, then I look like an idiot. So we waited until today. So congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. And man, try not to get emotional talking about this, whether you're a Laker fan or not. With the year that, that the Laker Nation has had with everything with Kobe Bryant and and how the year started back in January to now, um, if there was a team that deserved to win the NBA championship, it was the LA Lakers. And the fact that, you know, had they been able to win in game five, it probably would have been even more momentous and, and special of an occasion to be wearing the Black Mamba jerseys that have the heart with the number two on it for Gianna. It definitely would have have been definitely a a heart-wrenching moment and a a very touching moment, a heartwarming moment, honestly. Um, But um, either way, it was still just as emotional when they won it. So, again, congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. So now we have two of our major sports professional sports champions crowned the tampa bay lightning winning the stanley cup and being in the central florida area i can tell you central florida went crazy when that happened everybody had lightning fever throughout the postseason and when they finally brought home the cup to tampa it was definitely a a momentous occasion so i know uh, South South California, Southern California, L.A., San Diego, that whole area, despite the fact they've got Major League Baseball playoffs going on right now, everybody is, do- is decked out in their purple and gold and, and, and just extremely excited and extremely happy to be a Laker fan, and rightfully so. As again, congratulations on them for winning the 2020 NBA championship, a team that's not going to win the NBA championship well, because they're not in the NBA, but they're not going to win the NFL championship as well. The Atlanta Falcons currently sitting at 0-5 and, and currently sitting without a head coach. We talked about it on Monday's show. At that point in time, again, I was recording that Sunday night when it was still rumors. Um, almost immediately after I posted and scheduled the, the show to air, it officially came across the wire that Dan Quinn was fired as the head coach. They've also got rid of a couple of other people in the front offices. They are cleaning house, and and they are they are making a commitment to turning this thing around. It's unfortunate when you see this because obviously somebody's lost their job. It always sucks when somebody loses their job. But it makes it even worse when you actually take a look at around that Atlanta locker room and realize just how much Dan Quinn was liked by those players. And how much Dan Quinn was liked by the fans, uh, unfortunately, it just kind of went sour the last couple of seasons, obviously, three straight losing seasons, that's including this one, is going to do that with the fan base. So you already see that with Florida. And the, despite the fact that, you know, Florida is the team that they are in college football, the defense is kind of starting to sour some fans towards Dan Mullen and that coaching staff. So that does tend to happen when you, you know, have some issues. So the fan base for Dan Quinn and the and the Atlanta Falcons had kind of soured for a little while, but the players in that locker room still absolutely loved playing for Dan Quinn. And it, it's it's a shame you know you see a guy like Keanu O'Neal who played for Dan Quinn at the University of Florida when Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator, you know, it was a big one of the big reasons why Keanu Neal ended up a gator was because of Dan Quinn. Um, so now getting to play for him in the NFL at, with the Falcons, you know, seeing guys like that, you know, it, it really does kind of resonate that, you know, at the end of the day, yes, this is a move that had to be made, but it does suck because a guy lost his job. And unfortunately, you know, this is not like a situation with Adam Gase where he's just a terrible head coach. This is a guy that completely came in and turned the face of this Atlanta Falcon program around, right? I mean, they were a very good defensive football team, obviously with him. Being their head coach, that's what you expect. But they were a very good offensive football team as well, especially the year they went to the Super Bowl, physical dominant run game. Then you have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones in the passing game. And you would think that adding the weapons that they've added, I mean, you know, you add Calvin Ridley and and, and other guys like that to the the wide receiver lineup, you would think that offense would kind of get back on track and and they would be able to pick right back up where they were. But that running game has just continued to be non-existent since then. And just unfortunately, it seems like them blowing that 25-point lead in, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, that was kind of the downfall for this team because they never were really able to get back up off the mat after that. Once that happened to them, there was just no getting up for them. Like that, that, that was it. That was that was the killer moment. That was the death shot. That was it. If you you know you you watch these these like action movies or, or something like that, and there's always this pivotal moment that happens in the movie. That was the pivotal moment for the Atlanta Falcons was losing that Super Bowl, being up twenty eight to three, and then losing that game. In the way that they lost it, because again, you know, I I think there was some people that, that maybe lost faith in the coaching staff because of the way they handled that end of game situation. You know, you run the football if you're the Falcons right there on that last drive. You kick a field goal, you make the field goal, you're probably going to win the Super Bowl. Things might be a little bit different, but they decide to throw it. Matt Ryan gets sacked, pushes them out of field goal range. They have to punt it back to Tom Brady and the Patriots. They go down the field, score and end up winning the Super Bowl. So that was that was that pivotal moment for the Falcons and unfortunately like I said just could not pull themselves up off the mat. So they are now looking for a new head coach. Raheem Morris is going to serve as the interim head coach for the remainder of the year and look Raheem Morris is a guy with with coaching experience inside the NFL. So Raheem Morris could very much be a candidate at the end of the year with with if he does a good job with the team, could very much be a candidate to take over as the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. So we'll just have to see what happens there uh, in Atlanta. Like I said, right now, Dan Quinn out as the head coach. Raheem Morris taking over as the interim head coach for the remainder of the 2020 season. And we'll see what they do as far as maybe they hire Raheem Morris and just promote him, take the interim tag off and, and promote him to be in the head coach, or they bring in somebody completely new and, and start over fresh with a full new coaching staff. And probably you'd see a mass exodus of some of the players as well trying to start over and rebuild this team. But right now, if you're an Atlanta Falcon fan, I know you got Matt Ryan, but right now you look at the situation, you're 0-5, you're one of those few teams that are still in that running for that number one overall pick. And if you do get that number one overall pick, that's going to be a guy named Trevor Lawrence more than likely. So that could be a possible option for Atlanta to start fresh, start new, much like we've seen with the Browns with Baker Mayfield, which, by the way, Cleveland 4-1 and one on the year, looking pretty good um, with an a impressive win over Indianapolis over the weekend. So it's worked out for them. You know, we saw Cincinnati go to Joe Burrow. We'll see what happens with that. Arizona going with Kyler Murray, looks like that's kind of working out pretty well for them this year. Um, So, you know, we'll see what happens with the Atlanta Falcons, whether they, uh, they tank for Trevor or not. I don't want to start talking about that because, honestly, I hate that talk because I find it very hard to believe that any professional team that is full of competitive guys is going to intentionally tank for a player. The coaches, the front office, they make moves to maybe intentionally tank but I have a hard time believing the guys on the field actually are our fi- fans and are fond of of, of, of doing that. So um, I don't want to start ta- talking about tanking for Trevor or anything like that. But um, if Atlanta does find themselves in that number one overall pick, that could be an interesting situation where we see Trevor Lawrence come in and either takes over right away or maybe sits under Matt Ryan for a little bit and then they have a guy to where when Matt Ryan starts struggling, they can say, all right, let's put this guy in, see what the young rookie can do. And then, you know, hey, that's all she wrote, much like what we saw with Joe Flacco, with Trevor, uh, or excuse me, not Trevor Lawrence, uh, Lamar Jackson, where Joe Flacco get, you know, gets replaced. Lamar Jackson comes in, takes over that team, and that's all she wrote. Now, Joe Flacco is a backup for the New York Jets. Got a little playing time last week, but did not look too good. Of course, that's because he's on the Jets. Nobody on the Jets is going to look good, but that's a conversation for a different day. Let's we'll let's stay with some coaching talk here because, <clears throat> excuse me, there's there's some things that I, I, I want to discuss here because it's kind of something we've talked about. We talked about it. We started talking about it really in the college football recap. We did on Sunday. We talked a little bit about who could possibly replace Todd Grantham at the University of Florida as a defensive coordinator on yesterday's show. I gave you four options. Uh, I said Gene Chizik, Will Muschamp, Dan Quinn, who was fired yesterday, Uh, and then also um, I, I said Charlie Strong as well, who's currently serving as an analyst for Alabama's defensive team. So, you know, those were the four guys I listed, but I was I was curiously anxious, anxiously waiting to hear what Dan Mullen had to say in the press conference. Would we hear that maybe he had let go of Todd Grantham or that Todd Grantham had to turn things around in this LSU game or that would be it? Or was there any kind of guidelines or any kind of stipulations? And there wasn't. There wasn't. Dan Mullen came out basically today in his press conference or on Monday, I should say, with his his press conference with the media and, and pretty much defended his coaching staff and said it wasn't the coaches. It was the players needing to be in the right spots, Um, That maybe switching up a couple of players might make the difference. Uh, You mentioned the injury bug, which Florida has had several players out because of injury on defense, but still at the same time, you know, you hear Dan Mullen talk about it and he bragged about it last year when Felipe Franks went down, Kyle Trask comes in, wins them the Kentucky game, comes back and wins them the Kentucky game. You talk about that next man up mentality. Well, you can't have that next-man-up mentality and brag about that when you win and then not mention that when you're losing. You have to make sure that these players are being coached and and they're ready to go, and we're not seeing that from Florida. So these players that are having to play because of the injuries I just mentioned, they're not being coached properly. But for whatever reason, Dan Mullen seems to continue to not want to – push and put pressure on Todd Grantham and that co- defensive coaching staff at Florida. And the thing for me is that these two guys are friends. They've coached at numerous spots together. He was the de- uh, Todd Grantham was the defensive coordinator when Dan Mullen was the head coach at Mississippi State. There's a relationship there. And the problem with Dan Mullen is that he is a loyal guy. He's going to stand up for his friends and protect his friends. And when you are a head football coach at an SEC school, you cannot do that because that will cost you your freaking job. It will. We've seen coaches get fired for less and standing up for the wrong coach can cost you your job because you're going to keep that coach on your staff and that's going to continue to have the same problems that you had before. And I want to compare this to Nick Saban because Nick Saban and Alabama defense struggled on the road in Oxford against Ole Miss. And comparing Dan Mullen kind of protecting his coaches and kind of saying the players needed to be in better spots, the players needed to be better prepared and things like that, which, by the way, does come back to being a coaching issue. So I don't know how he was getting off protecting the coaches with that, but somehow he still managed to make it not about the coaches when their problems actually are about the coaches. Nick Saban on the other side of that said, if you've got the players out there, you've coached them all week and they line up and they miss a tackle, they miss an assignment, their gap assignment is is off that's on the coaching staff not the player cuz the coach should have had them 110% ready to go you should have why are you putting them on the field if there's any kind of question that they may not know their gap assignment if they may not know who they're supposed to be covering on a play why the hell are you putting them on the fucking field and that is that's that's the Nick Saban thought process And that is why I think unless Dan Mullen changes his mindset and the way he coaches, he's not going to win like a Nick Saban would. And and I'm not meaning he can't win football games. Obviously, in the 28 games he's coached as the University of Florida's head football coach, he's won 22. Obviously, he's doing something right. But at the same time, how many of those six losses he has at the University of Florida, it's because of Todd Grantham's defense. One, at least last weekend against Texas A&M. You go to the Georgia game the year before, they could not get off the fucking field on third down to save their life. And they lost that game because of that. Because if they get third down stops, that doesn't allow Georgia to have these long drives that drain the clock and eventually end with them putting putting either the ball in the end zone or through the uprights. Get a stop on third down and they beat Georgia a year ago. Get third down stops and play better defense in the secondary or better defense overall against Texas A&M last Saturday. And you're talking about a 3-0 football team instead of a 2-1 football team. So there's at least two of the six losses he's had in his time since he's been the head coach at the University of Florida that tie back to Todd Grantham. But he wants to continue to protect Todd Grantham because they're buddies. On the flip side of that, you got a guy like Nick Saban who would fire his daughter, his mother, maybe not Miss Terry. He might let Miss Terry slide on some things, but you get my point. He doesn't care who you are to him. If you're not doing your job, you got to go. You're out. Here's your pink slip. Pack up your office. Pack up your house. Go find somewhere else to work because you sure as hell ain't working here. Dan Mullen, on the other hand, is, well, you know, gee golly, we— Our coaching's right. Our coaching's right. Our players just aren't in the right spot. Well, your players aren't in the right spot because your coaches didn't coach well enough. Why are your coaches sending players out there that don't know where to line up or that are lining up in the wrong spot? Three weeks in a row now, we've seen Marco Wilson line up almost 10 yards off the fucking receiver on short yardage situations. Why is he still on the field? If he's going to continue, if it's a situation to where the coaches are telling him to play closer and he continues to play off like that, why is he on the field? Why is he on the field? He doesn't deserve to be on the field. Or is it a situation where the coaches are lining him up there, in which case it is the coach's fault? In both situations, it's actually the coach's fault because if they are telling him to play press, they are telling him to play close to the receiver and he's not doing it. Guess what? The coaches need to yank his ass off the field for not listening. And if they're leaving him out there, that's on them for leaving him out there. And if they have him backed off 8 to 10 yards on a 3rd and 4 or a 4th and 3 situation, then that's on them for being dumbasses and having a cornerback that far off a receiver. Because guess what? Guess what? Receiver takes two steps off the line, runs a slant first down. Marco Wilson can't even get there in time. And we've seen that happen time and time and time again. For Texas A&M, Marco Wilson was targeted by Kellen Mond eight times. Seven of those passes were completed for over 160 yards and two touchdowns. And this guy's supposed to be the lockdown corner for the Florida defense? This guy is supposed to be the captain for the Florida defense. He allowed seven completions on eight targets for over 160 plus yards and two touchdowns. And by the way, those completions averaged 16 and a half yards. So he wasn't giving up three yard passes. He was getting his ass burnt badly. That's on the coaching staff. And if Dan Mullen wants to continue to coddle the coaching staff and not do what needs to be done... He'll be the one getting the pink slip at the University of Florida. I'm not sitting here saying Dan Mullen deserves to be fired. So Florida fans, do not come at me on Twitter, which, by the way, you can follow on Twitter at ST underscore the podcast at ST underscore the podcast. Don't come at me on Twitter because I'm sitting here saying Dan Mullen deserves to be fired because I'm not. I think Dan Mullen deserves to stay the head coach of Florida. But I also think Dan Mullen needs to pull his head out of his ass and make the moves that need to be made. You know, he told the media when somebody flat out asked him, he said, will there be any changes to the defense? He said, stay tuned. We'll find out on Saturday against LSU. He said he met with the coaches, the defensive coaches, longer and more than he did yesterday any other time than he has since he's been at Florida. That's great. But are you going to get results from it? Because as of right now, from what I've seen, Todd Grantham's defense does not work in the SEC. It does not work at Florida. So, if I'm Dan Mullen, I take a page out of Nick Saban's book. I don't give a shit what kind of relationship we have, how good of friends we are. You're not getting the job done. Your ass isn't going to be coaching here much longer. And I make that clear to Todd Grantham. I tell Todd Grantham, if I don't see a change in this defense in LSU i got LSU, I've got Missouri, and then I've got a bye week. If I don't see any kind of change against LSU, even the slightest little bit of change against LSU, that'll buy you another week for Missouri. But if two weeks go by and I don't see any kind of change, his defense still looks just as shit as it's been the first three weeks, your ass is gone in the bye week. I'll figure out somebody to be an interim defensive coordinator for the remainder of the year. And I'll bring somebody in here and I'll pay them the $1.7 million a year that we pay you to coach defense because you're clearly not doing it. Will Dan Mullen do that? Time will tell. How many more bad defensive outings that cost him football games is it going to take? We shall find out. Hopefully for Florida fans, it's not many more. Like I said, a bad outing against LSU this weekend. Hopefully that is enough to make him go, you know what? He's my friend and all, but I got to make the change for the betterment of the team. Two teams that really don't need to be better because they're playing pretty good football right now. The Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans. They're actually going to be playing tonight. Yeah, that's right. Tuesday night NFL football on CBS. Uh, Buffalo favored by three and a half in in this game. I think that's probably about right. This is going to be a close game. I think the, the keys for this game for me is really Tennessee, you've got to contain Josh Allen. That's going to be their only chance of winning. You've got to contain and frustrate Josh Allen. If you can do that, then I think you've got a pretty good chance of of, of beating Buffalo in this game. But if Josh Allen has time to sit back in the pocket and make plays, if he's got open spots on the field to scramble to, he is going to light this Tennessee defense up, and the Titans are going to lose their first game of the year. And you got to think with everything the Titans have dealt with the last what week and a half, two weeks with with the the COVID thing, the, the players testing positive and the personnel testing positive, the facilities being shut down, they're going to be a little lethargic and slow coming out of the gate of this because it, it's, it's been a while since they last played a game. So you got to think for Buffalo, that's going to give them another advantage. So really Tennessee, you've got to get after a guy like Josh Allen. You've got to get in his face and you've got to uh, – you, you, you've got to force him to make a bad throw and, and force a turnover, force a strip on a sack, something along those lines that's going to create a play. It's going to create a short yards for Ryan Tannehill and that Titan offense to help set them up to be able to make a play and stay in this ballgame. If, if they can do that, they've got a good chance of winning. If they can't, then we are going to be talking on uh, Wednesday's show about how the Tennessee Titans just could not get it done against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and the Buffalo Bills would improve to, I believe, 5-0 and and take a stranglehold on that AFC East division. But Buffalo, again, not like they're completely a solid football team across the board. Let's not forget, they had a big lead against the Rams and allowed the Rams to come rushing back and almost win that football game. Josh Allen, yet again, had to make a play at the end of the fourth quarter to win that football game just like on the road at Hard Rock against the Dolphins. They allowed the Dolphins to come back, take a fourth-quarter lead. It was 28-24. They ended up winning that game 31-28 because of Josh Allen making a play with, what I believe, 15 seconds left in the fourth quarter against the Dolphins. So Buffalo has been in some tough situations for them this year. So – Keep an eye on this game uh, coming up later on tonight on CBS. It should be an interesting one. It should be a fun one. Um, Josh Allen has to be that guy. He has to be the leader of this Buffalo Bills team that everybody expects him to be. And if he is, he's got the time to make the throws. He's got the space to make the runs. I think Buffalo can win this one. I think they can actually cover the spread because it's only a three and a half. So I think they would easily be able to win by a touchdown. Um, But um, Tennessee They do have some skilled players. They do have some talented players, some elite talented players, and it is going to be fun to watch. I just right now, looking at the two quarterbacks in this game, Brian Tannehill, Josh Allen, you're giving me a a fantasy draft, round one, pick one. Those are the two options right there on the table for me. I'm going to go with Josh Allen. So I think Josh Allen is the better quarterback between the two. That's why – because. Ryan Tannehill is is good for an interception or two or a turnover or two in a, in a ball game. So I think that's possibly what's going to happen and what's going to swing this game into Buffalo's favor is that there is going to be a turnover late in the fourth quarter, maybe even early in the, in, in the second half that kind of swings the momentum to Buffalo and they really just take over and end up winning this game. Um, so I expect it to be close throughout most of the game. Um, but I, I do like the Buffalo Bills on the road, even though on the road, but again, Tennessee, just with everything they've had to deal with, with the players and the personnel testing COVID, the facilities being shut down because of that, I think it's going to be a tough night for them. And, um, to come up just a little bit short, just a little bit short, but it's going to be a good game tonight. Again, CBS is where that's going to happen. I believe that gets started around seven or seven 30. You'll have to check your uh, listing time because obviously I'm in the Eastern time zone. So if you're in the Pacific or you're in the central, it may be a little different for you. So check your, your local listings for that official start date. But, uh, it's going to be fun tonight when these two teams hit it off again. Buffalo and Tennessee. Buffalo favored by three and a half points. Again, I want to say congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers, your 2020 NBA champs. We'll finish the show just like we started it, saying congratulations to them. Uh, I know Kobe was looking down with his arm around Gianna. Uh, couldn't be even more happier. Couldn't be, you know, smiling any bigger from heaven. And um, just a, a good feeling if you're a Laker fan good for you congratulations and if you're not a laker fan you still got to be looking at this situation with everything that's happened with kobe and everything this team's kind of gone through to be at the bubble be at disney world and and playing in that bubble and, and the way that they they just kind of fault persevered i mean how many guys were banged up i mean anthony davis was was playing with a what was a bruised heel and just continued to fight and play and let me say this because, you know, I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm, I'm in the Central Florida area. I'm exactly I'm actually in the Orlando area, so I'm not far from where the Lakers won the NBA championship on Sunday night for for Dwight Howard to win an NBA title and to win it in Orlando. It's uh, good for him. Good for him. I mean, there's a lot of Orlando Magic fans in this area that are that are a little upset because obviously this is not the way they envisioned him winning an NBA title in Orlando. They wanted to see him in the uh, the blue and black rather than the purple and the gold. But you know, it's still this is a guy that's been through a lot. You know, you talk about kind of those journeymen in the NBA that have gone through so much, and we see them all throughout different sports. We see it so much, and with a guy like Dwight Howard. To have a second return to LA, you know the first trip to LA didn't quite work out the way he wanted it to. As a matter of fact, he even sent out a tweet saying he hope he get a second chance with LA to do it the right way. He got that second chance. Genie Bus brought him back, and now he's an NBA champion with the Los Angeles Lakers. I think the only thing they did wrong was believe they forgot a player at the arena when they left. They were so happy and 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 you know so excited celebrating the championship that they actually left a couple of players at the arena, Um, but good news was they were staying at a Disney resort not too far away. So I'm sure he probably had no problem catching an Uber or, you know, they have on Disney property, the minivans, which is, just basically a Chevrolet Suburban with painted to look like Mickey uh, Minnie Mouse. But I'm sure he had no problem finding a way back to the team hotel, back to the parties, back to the celebrations. Um, But anyways, regardless, con- congratulations once again to the Los Angeles Lakers on the NBA championship. Again, Major League Baseball, ALCS, NLCS, both currently underway. ALCS, the Rays are actually up two games to zero. On the uh, Houston Astros, I almost called them the Houston Rockets. Two minutes NBA talk there, heading into baseball, but the Houston Astros, uh, and they will actually play Game Three coming up later on tonight. I believe eight twenty on TBS is the start as estimated start time for that. The Braves and Dodgers got underway, uh, and they will play Game Two coming up later on this evening as well. So Game Three for the Rays and Astros, and the ALCS coming up later on tonight on TBS and Game 2 between the Braves and the Dodgers coming up later on this evening again on Fox. You can catch that on Fox. Again, check your local listings for those times. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys have a great Tuesday. And don't forget, once again, you can follow us on Twitter at ST underscore the podcast at ST underscore the podcast. I'll talk to you on Wednesday.